And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I'll manifest myself to him. In verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, the other guy, my paraphrase, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord. So what we see here in summary is that Jesus promises his disciples that he will send the Holy Spirit to be their helper. And so to, to think of it this way as we begin our time, if Jesus is how we know God, the Holy Spirit is how we know and sense the presence, words, and peace of Jesus. Because what Jesus is doing right now is he's providing reassurance. He's been doing that the last couple of weeks. We've seen he keeps providing reassurance for his disciples. He's providing clarity for his disciples. And he's doing that to prepare them for his departure because that's coming pretty soon. He also told them that they'd be doing greater works than even he did in his earthly ministry, which brings us to the passages that we're at today, which means that how are they going to do those greater works? How are they going to feel equipped? How are they going to be equipped? How are they gonna be encouraged to continue this work and do these greater works? And by greater works, remember we mentioned last week, greater works meaning that not, not that they're gonna be greater than Jesus, because that's impossible, but that they're gonna cover more ground. They're gonna go and do these works in a global sense, whereas Jesus really was, was doing his ministry in a local sense. And so Jesus is coming to them and he's saying, look, I'm gonna keep reassuring you because you guys really still have no idea what's about to happen over the next few days with my death and then my resurrection and then everything that I've been training you that's ahead and how you're gonna continue my ministry. So he is spending this moment to encourage them and to empower them. 
And maybe you've had moments like that where you got something ahead of you and it could be just a task that you've been dreading. Maybe it's something that you've been preparing for your whole life. It has to do with some, something related to school or, or your career. Or maybe it is a ministry thing or opportunity that you feel like you're stepping into. Maybe it's something having to do with your family. Maybe it's just a big change in your life. Maybe it's a location thing, or maybe it's a job thing. It could be any one of those things. And really what you would love is you would love to know that you are not stepping out into these things alone. What you would like to know is that you're, you're not sinking or swimming on your own power, on your own talent, on your own gifting. And this is what Jesus is trying to reassure his disciples of this morning who have troubled hearts. And you know, that's us, right? We exist in this world with troubled hearts. Why is that? Well, because we live in a troubled world. So our hearts reflect the trouble that we see around us. We absorb that trouble. The things we thought we would have figured out, are, they're still complicated. They're, they're, st they're like math equations, right? I was having a conversation with some friends this week and we discussed what we would say, since we're old men now, we discussed what we would say to college students who were just graduating and getting ready to enter the world. And the advice was gold. I got it, that was a joke. Um, I'm kidding, it was very average, right? Um, but at some point, as we're like bestowing all of this like wisdom and advice, um, which again, wasn't that wise, um, I started thinking to myself, like this is advice that I still need. Like, why am I giving it to them? Like, I need this right now, you know? I'm, you know, 271 years past college. I'm, I'm not really, I'm actually still in college, technically. But, um, seminary. But, um, but I need this advice. I still need this. I still need so much help. So we're having this conversation. I'm like thinking, they need it, I need it. What we see here is that Jesus promises to help us. We get the help of Jesus here, right? Jesus promises to help us. And this is what is so interesting about the heart of Jesus as compared to the way we think about the kind of help that we need or the kind of help that we're resistant to, right? Because we, we kind of exist in a world, we're kind of raised in a world by parents or by society or the, or, or the way that we're supposed to think about what we're supposed to do. And it's usually like you got to become independent and you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Nobody's going to be there to help you. You, know, you got to figure things out, Right? And yet we see a, a really different kind of emphasis here from Jesus, which is, I'm going to give you some help. When you read verse 15, interestingly enough, Jesus begins with this prayer. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And it, it seems like an odd place to start, right? When he goes for the next, uh, you know, 16 verses and, and talks about the, the help that he's going to give them. But he begins with saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Here's what Jesus doesn't do after he says that, which is different than maybe the ways you've been approached when you're getting ready to, to launch out on something or embark on something. And you feel like, man, I don't know if anybody's around to help me with these things. Here's what Jesus doesn't do is he doesn't follow up those words by saying, hey, fellas, I ain't going to be here to hold your hand forever. So you're going to need to figure it out. That's only been told to me 907 times over the course of my life, right? This is what Jesus says, right? He says, I'm not leaving you as orphans in verse 18. He has not left you to love him and to keep his commandments in your own power, in your own strength. 
relying on your own intellectual knowledge, right? But this is kind of how we're raised, right? At some point, your parents, they, man, they have to stop feeding you a bottle, I, I hope, right? Um, they, they stop picking you up every time you fall. You get a job and they stop feeding you. They stop housing you. They stop clothing you. They stop covering your bills, right? Their job is to raise you to be a functioning member of society. That's right and true, by the way. Jesus is here to hold your hand forever. He is here to pick you up forever. He's here to walk by your side forever. He is here to carry you forever. Not so that you don't have to be courageous, take risks, or be responsible in life, but because he is developing you as his disciple in areas of spiritual maturity that is a lifelong development process, right? So he's not, he's not standing by, he's not holding your hand so that you never have to be courageous or you never have to take risks. He's holding your hand so that you can be courageous, so that you can take risks, so that you can grow in responsibility, so that you can grow in greater spiritual maturity. That's what's different about the way Jesus develops us through his process. Jesus knows that faithfulness and fruitfulness just cannot be achieved without his help. And in fact, he's gonna, he's gonna tell us this when we get to John 15, five. He says, look, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then he says this crazy line where he goes, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing, right? And I know we, like in my mind, I'm thinking really nothing. Like I just took a step. Like was I not able to do that without Jesus? And Jesus is going, that's correct. But that was it. You just took that step because I empowered you and allowed you to take that step. Nothing. We're not able to bear the fruit. We're not able to be faithful followers of Jesus unless Jesus is the one that is helping us and empowering us. To bear that kind of fruit that comes from loving Jesus and keeping his commandments, it requires something for us. It requires a helper. So what he means by this word is he means, by helper, he means a counselor. It's almost can be taken in sort of a legal sense, like a, a legal advocate, somebody who's going to stand by you and for you and with you. So when he says helper, that's what he's meaning. And that gives us a sense of what he's talking about when he says the Holy Spirit is going to be in my place as I depart and you're not gonna be left here alone as orphans to try to figure this whole thing out um, by yourself. What he's saying is that I'm leaving you someone who is an extension of myself. All the help that you've been able to enjoy by me through these last three years, Jesus said, I'm gonna give it to you. You're gonna have it. In fact, you're going to have it even more significantly is what he's going to tell us. In fact, the Holy Spirit is an extension of me, right? He's the, called the Spirit of Christ. Paul told us this in, in Romans 8 9. So the work that the Spirit does in us is the work that Christ is doing. And so the disciples, they could bank on that. They were able to bank on the fact that Jesus may have been leaving them physically, but he was actually going to be with them spiritually which is going to help them in all the physical areas that they're going to be operating in, right? So the Holy Spirit will be a helper. He'll be a, a counselor. He'll be an advocate for the disciples by dwelling with them and inside of them. And just to be clear, God's people have always had the Spirit in them. 
right? So this was not like, well, we didn't have the Holy Spirit up to this point, and now you're going to have the Spirit. We've always had the Spirit, right? This was a new expression of that feeling. We see Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? He's affirming the words of Jesus here, promising that helper. 1 Corinthians 6.19, he said, Paul goes, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he kind of, kind of widens our grasp of understanding of what we're talking about here in terms of how the Holy Spirit dwells us. He says, do you not know that your te- body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And then he says, you are not your own. So to not be your own and have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit means not only are you not your own, but you're not alone as well, Right? So what I want to do now for the rest of our time, as I set all that up, is I I want to ask this question, hopefully answer this question from these passages, and it's this, what role does the Holy Spirit, the helper, play in the life of a believer? Because it's going to get ugly out there for these brothers, just like it's getting ugly out there for you. It's also going to get ugly in here. So it not only gets ugly out there, like we always like to think, it's kind of like ugly in here too. That's the stuff that's harder for us to face. We talk about that a lot, right? It's easier to look out there and go, man, I just need some help because everything's, everything's you know, going to you know where. It's just not going to a great place in here either. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us in all these facets where God brings us and he calls us to be uh, his follower. Here's the first thing that we see from these passages is that the Holy Spirit provides the presence of Jesus. And that word just matters so much to me. The Holy Spirit provides the presence of Jesus. If we turn to John 16, 6 through 7, you can turn there. Jesus is talking and he says, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. It is to your advantage that I go away. What? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This verse always just kills me when I read this, right? Because I'm a person that would say, please, Jesus, do not go. Is there anything I can do to convince you to, oh, there's nothing. Okay, I got it. This is part of the plan and it it needs to be fulfilled. It needs to happen. But that's how I'd be feeling. And then Jesus comes and he goes, here's the thing. It's better that I go. And it's a little mind-blowing, right? Jesus is saying that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this helper, this, this counselor, this advocate, is even more significant for his followers than if he was there walking the earth with them. And what this means for us on a practical level is that you, you can't exist in a place that is absent of the Spirit of Jesus being present with you, Right? That's why it was so significant. Jesus said in Matthew 28, before he ascended to heaven, he said, I will will be with you, what? Always. Even until the end of the age. Now, this doesn't mean that as humans, you you ain't going to experience loneliness. You're not going to have bouts of, of, of loneliness and isolation where you just feel like there is nobody here for me. There is nobody standing for me. There is nobody advocating for me. I've never felt more alone in my life. I mean, if you were just a human being, you can all tell and give testimony to moments in your life that have felt like that. And today might be one of those moments, right? It doesn't mean that you don't experience that. Those are real emotions. 
Those are real experiences. Jesus is saying this to a bunch of men that he knows are going to experience those feelings, right? What it does mean is that we don't have to ask Jesus to take an escalator down from the throne room of God to be with us, right? His presence exists to us and in us through the indwelling of the helper, the Holy Spirit. And somehow it's even more intimate than if he was with us here physically. I don't have that all figured out. I'm just a preacher, right? The commentaries didn't tell me anything about what that means, right? But we believe it's true because this is what, the, this is what Jesus encouraged his disciples with. And said, what you're, as I exit and as you enter this ministry that is going to be just full of trouble. And it's going to be crazy. Like I am with you. And I am with you even closer than what you experienced the last three years of us just literally hiking all across the countryside, preaching the gospel, doing all the miracles you saw me do. Now we need to pause, we need to step back and go, wait a minute, so that's the experience now that, that I have? That's what I have? And the answer is, that's what you have. If you are somebody who trusted, trusts Jesus for your salvation. So what, 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 what this means on a practical level is that we put ourselves in a place where we can be reminded of the presence that Jesus has in our lives, right? We can be reminded of his words in verse 19 where it says, the world will not see me, but you will see me. And because I live, you will also live. That's part of that presence that the disciples are going to feel because of the, the work of the Spirit. And then in verse 20, when he says, I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. That's part of that connectivity that Christians have, that disciples have, that believers have with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In verse 21, he says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Do you see the language there? He's not saying at any time are you just going to be out there just kind of floating. He's like, I am with you. And this is how you're going to understand that and experience it and know it, even though sometimes you ain't going to feel it. Right? This is all language that speaks to the presence of Jesus in your life through the Holy Spirit and dwelling in your heart. Now, Judas asked this question, though. Um, and one of the things that we've seen over the last three weeks is Jesus is saying all these amazing things and these questions from his disciples just sort of pop out. You know, like when you're in those conversations with people and there's always the guy that like asks the question, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Like that, like you didn't stay on point. We're off on another tangent now. Um, I'm probably that guy, um, by the way. Um, but, but this question Judas asked in verse 22, well, well Lord, what, what are you going to do? What, what do you mean manifest? You're going to manifest yourself to us or to the world? Like, how do we weed through that? What do you mean? Well, he's probably coming from the hope, like these guys still are coming from, that Jesus will still manifest himself in some political way. Like, they're, they're still waiting for some kind of political triumph. You know, they're, they're still, their eyes are still very much like kind of down in the soil. They're still seeing things kind of from an earthly perspective instead of seeing things from a more heavenly perspective, like what Jesus keeps trying to communicate um, with them. Jesus understands that, but he reminds Judas that his ambitions need to be redeemed. If you notice how he answers Judas there after verse 22, because loving and obeying Jesus, this is the heart. 
This is the heart of what Jesus is communicating to him. Love, love me, obey my commandments. And guess what? You don't do that alone. You have some help to do this. These are the matters, Judas, of first importance. Quit trying to like get off track. Quit trying to derail. I know what's going on in your mind. I know what you're thinking, but there's something way bigger at stake here. There's something way bigger going on and you're gonna get a fuller view of that over the next days, weeks, and months. So this is what we know about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers, that even in our most devastating moments of, of trying and failing to live in love and obedience to Jesus, the Holy Spirit provides us with the presence and assurance of Jesus Christ, right? Not only that, but the, whole, the Holy Spirit will recount the words of Jesus to our hearts so that we experience encouragement rather than condemnation, which is another role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of a believer, which is that he teaches us the words of Jesus. Look what it says there in verse uh, 25. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So there's two things going on here. The helper will ensure that Jesus' words will be preserved by his disciples for the teaching of the church, right? So these disciples, some of these disciples are going to be responsible for writing the scriptures that we're reading, right? And so Jesus is assuring them, hey, this, this task that you have, this job that you have um, to write down the inspired words of God, the, the, Ho the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance these words that you're going to need to write down, right? And it's not just any words, right? It's the word of God. It's the inspired words of God. We, we learned about this this morning in our Bible basics class. Isaiah 55, 11, the Old Testament talks about God's word in this way. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You can bank on my words. You can bank that everything I say is gonna come true and you can also bank that I've sent you a helper to recount those words that you're gonna write down that are gonna be for the edification, the encouragement of Substance Church someday in 2023, paraphrase, right? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and what? It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may com be complete, equipped for every good work. So Jesus is saying you're gonna have this because the spirit is indwelling in you because this also happens on a personal level. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart even right now, even right now. He's working in your heart by bringing to remembrance the words of Jesus that you will have read this morning, that you study later in the week, that you sing this morning, that you hear preached right now, that, that you will hear spoken to you, whether it's through other pastors and, and podcasts and other believers, right? The Holy Spirit is how the words of Jesus get applied to your life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because this really brings it home. I can keep talking or I can just read this verse and I'll probably cut 10 minutes off my sermon. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, 10 through 12. Listen to what Paul says here. 
He said, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So the Holy Spirit is how you continue to grow in your comprehension of God's word and God's truth. How else do you know? How else would you know how to obey God? Unless the Holy Spirit continued to shape your heart in such a way that allowed you to receive it and understand it and apply it more and more as you mature in him. This is the help that you get from Jesus because we're forgetful people, right? I mean, if you, listen, if you remember even a couple of words from this sermon today, it will be a miracle, right? It'll be a miracle. And I mean that literally. It will be a literal miracle because it will be the Holy Spirit who recalls them in your heart. You guys could tell me every once in a while if you remember some of those words. I mean, that would be sweet too. You know, I'm not gonna be angry about that. Um, but he's going to do that for you. He's going to recall his words. He's going to do it through all kinds of events. He's going to do it through crazy events of your life. He's going to do it through normal events of your life. You could be engaged with a conversation with a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, and a word from these passages will come to memory at a time that will mutually encourage you and the person you're with, right? You might be driving in your car and the Lord uses one of these passages to convict you of some sin in your life and draw you to repentance, right? And it'll just come out of nowhere. The Holy Spirit will recall his words. You may be in a difficult season of your life, right? You may be facing some kind of a trial, maybe battling with something completely out of your control and you remember something that was spoken today and you're reminded of the presence and the peace of Jesus in your life. That's the work that the Spirit is doing in your heart. He teaches and he recalls the words of Jesus, which by the way is one of the ways that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind and you're able to discern that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You can depend on the Lord to recall those words that you hear preached, that you read, that you pray, that you sing. That's what he's offering to us. Thirdly and finally, he provides the peace of Jesus. The Holy Spirit provides the, the peace of Jesus. Jesus makes a distinction though about the kind of peace that he offers to us through the indwelling of the Spirit. He refers to it as what? As my peace. He doesn't just say peace. He refers to it as my peace, the peace of Jesus. And the peace of Jesus is what I would call I would define as an anchored peace, an anchored peace, meaning it's not simply a, a momentary feeling of, of calm or, or like a, you know, a, a rousing pep talk, right? Or, or maybe even a medication that's meant to numb the senses or even just the elimination of a problem, right? That would be the kind of peace that the world gives. It's not always bad but that would be the kind of peace the world gives 
but that's only because it's not anchored in something of more lasting significance. The peace of Jesus, we're told, surpasses understanding. It surpasses the methods and means that our minds can only come up with that we think might supply us with the peace that we want. It surpasses understanding. Why? Because it's divine. Because it's coming from God. Because it's coming from Jesus through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. What this means is that when your world, listen, is hanging by the thinnest of threads in a practical way, you still have the arms of Jesus holding and sustaining you. That's what that means. Without any threat of being let go. Any threat of being let go. This enables you to have a peace that cannot always be comprehended, but it can always be counted on. I can't comprehend the peace of Jesus. I don't know why there are times, and man, I just, I am just in a mess. My mind is in a mess, my heart is in a mess. And then I pray and I pray. And then I I experience something that makes no sense because the mess hasn't been cleaned up. Sometimes it's worse. But the Lord does a particular expressive work in my heart where I'm reminded of who's indwelling in me and who has my world in his hands. That makes sense? John 16, 33 We're going to read this in a few weeks, but I'm going to read it now. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So this this peace we're talking about is the blessing that comes in the midst of burdens. How is that activated, though? How do I get that peace? We get it through prayer. We get it through, I don't know how to make this more simple. I'm a simple guy. We get it through saying, Jesus, can you give me that peace? Can you give me that peace? And can you maybe maybe recall those words to me that will encourage me and and give me me, uh, examples and visions and context for that peace? Paul lays it out in Philippians 4, 5. He says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this is what he says after that. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So part of having that peace is having a mind that is being uh, guarded. It's having a heart that's being guarded against the things that threaten that peace. And that's the work that the Lord is doing in you through the helper, the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was promising his disciples. Peace comes through prayer. Prayer is how the Holy Spirit brings that perspective from his words back to your heart. Does that make sense? These are hard passages. Two things to remember as we close. Number one is that you were never meant to walk alone. That's kind of a phrase we hear a lot. But if we're not hearing it in the context of this, we are going to walk alone. The reason why this reminds us of the truth of that promise is because Jesus promised it to us. You were never meant to walk alone. So Jesus said, you ain't going to walk alone. Secondly, you have never been less alone if you have the spirit indwelling inside of you. And if you are somebody who knows Jesus, the spirit is dwelling 
inside of you. Now, like some of you, I was raised to be a pretty independent person. My dad was a, he was a guy, you know, he, this guy who dropped out of school in the 10th grade, joined the Navy, eventually started his own uh, trucking company, you know. Uh, he was a self-made man. He did not love formal education. It's frightening to think of how this man would be reacting to all the years I've spent in seminary if he was still alive. It's frightening how I react to it, to be honest. Um, he was not someone who saw himself as needing help, either from individuals and certainly not institutions. And he carried around a ton of anxiety as the result. And because this was the environment I was raised in, I, I've had to just learn through painful life circumstances that my bent towards independence needs to be transformed into dependence on Jesus and that it can because I don't ever walk around alone. It's, 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 a, it's, a, like a, it's a fallacy if I believe that. The Holy Spirit is indwelling me forever and I need so much help. I need the presence of Jesus in my life because of how often I feel alone, like you do. Whatever your life circumstance is, whatever your life circumstance is, you have something in your life, there's a particular thread or a piece or something about your life that is lonely, right? Like ministry, I mean, that's what I got. Ministry is a lonely vocation. It just is, the stats are out there, they're not lying. I need the words of Jesus brought to remembrance in my life because I have so many other words coming in and out of my brain and they are lonely, like you. You have lonely words. You have words that are trying to prop you up. You have words that are trying to give you pep talks and all they do is double down on the loneliness you feel. I need the peace of Jesus to become anchored in my heart because I'm tempted by so many other things to provide a counterfeit. They're not all just bad, horrible, wicked things, right? But even just the, even just the bare bones, like generic things that we have in our life, like Netflix and food and the Amazon Prime and hobbies and you know, all these things, right, that we all have a list of. I need the peace of Jesus so that I am not so prone to going after those things to provide what only he can provide for my peace. I need to be empowered for the work of being a follower of Jesus. I need a helper. That's your question today too. Do you need a helper? If you have Jesus, you have a helper. This is what Jesus promised. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans. We thank you that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's hard for us to understand sometimes. Thank you for this passage, making it a little more clear to us. Lord, I pray um, that as you've increased our understanding of these things, that Lord, we would pray ever more fully uh, for the Spirit to do that work of bringing us your presence, of recalling your teaching and your words and providing us with that peace. 
And Lord, we thank you that it's possible because of what we're about to do, which is remember the death and resurrection of Christ. And we thank you because of Christ, we have a way to have your presence. We have a way to be taught your words. We have a way to experience your peace. And it's nothing that we get to earn. Um, It's what's been earned for us, Lord. So I pray that we would take advantage of it. And Lord, you would help us to be reflective of these passages today and look at the different areas in our lives of which, Lord, we need to go before the throne room of grace and, and receive this help that you've given us just like the disciples needed to receive this help. So Lord, would you, would you recount this to our minds um, for the sake of our good and for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.